didn't know about letting you read this book based on some of the content. We went back and forth, finally said it was okay. Mm-hmm. Do you think the right, we made the right decision? Maybe. Like, I enjoy the series, but it was a little too lovey. Too much Magic. love? Yeah. We were, I guess we were more concerned about the violence. We were, we were con- I guess, concerned about the love content a little bit. The violence wasn't that bad, just the descriptiveness. Okay. Which was kind of easy to skim over. Okay. Um, now, let's assume you haven't read the second and third book. Uh-huh. The podcast is just about the first one. We should probably introduce us at this point, right? Probably. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Reading Radio Podcast. This is Jason. And this is Laura. Uh, we're really happy that some folks are starting to listen to the show and join our Facebook group that we don't know personally. So we realized you may not know a whole lot about us. So my name is Jason Fisher. My daughter is Laura, and we love books. So we thought we'd put this podcast together to kind of do a father-daughter book club, um, open, of course, to parents of all kinds and persuasions, just to give kids and families an opportunity to come together uh, around a love of books and have good conversations. I love listening to podcasts with my dad, especially in the car, and I thought this would be fun. We talked about it for a while, and we recorded a couple episodes way earlier than we actually um, started the website up. Because I wanted us to have a few episodes under our belt before we Mm -hmm. committed to it. Now we're a few ahead, so it's working out pretty well. Yeah. Right. This month's book was The Hunger Games by Suzanne Collins, mm-hmm. uh, a soon to probably be classic. It was very popular, especially the movies uh, starring Jay Law. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what her real name is. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence. Jeez, can't you blank on that. Uh, we haven't watched the movie yet, so we'll maybe do a separate episode comparing the movie and the book that a little would be later. Fun. We're going to assume that everyone's read the book, but you want to give us a quick summary? It's about a place set in the future doesn't say how far in the future, where the whole population of the Earth is reduced down greatly, and there's a rebellion against it. So it's separated into 12 dis- 13 districts plus the capital region. And then there was a rebellion, the districts went against the capital, and the 13th district got destroyed. So in a way to keep peace, to keep them under control, the, the capital created the Hunger Games. Which causes two kids between the ages of 12 and 18, a boy and a girl, to go into an arena different every year and fight it out to the last one standing. So there's 24 kids in all, 12 girls, 12 boys. Nice. It's a nice summary. I think we can just assume uh, if you haven't read the book, we're going to spoil the tar out of it. Um, So if you care about those sorts of things, you should stop now, go listen to the book, and come back and listen to the podcast at that point. So let's just talk about it a little bit. What was your overall impression? Like, what did you heard before we before you started reading it? I haven't heard. I didn't hear much about it, but a few of my older friends read it, and it was mostly between Katniss and Pete. No, Gail and Peta. Who should be with Katniss? That was. That's what they were talking about. Yeah, pretty much. So that doesn't really come into play during the first book. No. Um, a little bit later, I guess it does. Uh, it's pretty obvious that Katniss is going to get picked. I think up front. Yeah. Was it? I did not think, I thought it was going to be Gale, though. Katniss and Gale going in. Well, that, would, yeah. that would have been a little too a little too obvious. The whole premise of this book seems so far beyond my ability to suspend disbelief. Like, with, with some things you can read it and go, oh, okay, I'm just going to forget reality and I'm okay with this. Because this is actually set in our world. Mm-hmm. And Katniss's district, uh, based on the coal enterprise and the maps that yeah. I've seen, is probably like Appalachia, where like I'm from. Very hillbilly culture kind of thing. There is no way that this happens. Like, 
we we would all die. We would be District 13. Like, if somebody came to me and said, we're going to take a chance that we're going to take your daughter away. I mean, because you're 12. You'd be able yeah. to be in the Hunger Games. I'm not standing by. We're going to be on the run, and you're going to shoot me down in a field somewhere. There's no way I'm just going to watch on TV. In the ways it would happen is most people would be starving. You would get extra entries. The way it works is when you're 12, you get one. 13, two. 14, Your name goes into the the hat that many times. etc. And it stacks. And since most people are starving in the districts, you can take what's called tessery. So you can get a year's worth of grain and food for everyone in your family, which is each worth one tessery. And that adds up and is another entrance. So let's put yourself in that position. You get picked. Do you think you stand a chance? As me? As you, yeah. Um, no. <laughs> no? I, ha- I can barely shoot a bow. I could not use any of the other weapons. I would probably kill myself eating Nightlock. <laughs> okay. Unless I, like, trained all the time, and the best way I would win, would I wouldn't be able to kill somebody, so I would have to just sur- out- survive the rest. It's kind of like Foxface. Yeah. You'd have to hope and pray that everyone else dies, and it gets down to the last person, and some... And some monster comes and eats them. Yes. Or some weird circumstance happens where you luck into... Flood. They drown. <laughs> I would. Yeah, but I think, I think they wanted to force the final conflict. I know. As much as possible. What did you think of Katniss as a character overall? I don't know. I thought she was... Some characters in books, like, as a kid, it seems unrealistic how grown up they are. And that's kind of the way it was with her. But it kind of makes sense, her dad dying in the coal accident, age 11, having to do what she had to do. She just kind of seems unrealistic to me. What about you? Let me address what you said first, because we live in a, cu- a culture now where kids don't have to grow up as fast, not in not in such large numbers. But if you're looking back 40, 50, you know, maybe even longer years ago, mm-hmm. kids had to work because there was their parents couldn't put food on the table. Yeah. Like, there wasn't mandatory school laws, and they had to, especially the oldest, had to go and work and make things happen. It wasn't necessarily, sometimes it was because of a tragedy, like her dad dying, but sometimes just because that's the way life is. Life's tough. We have a pretty privileged world in that we don't have those kind of problems. So that part of it didn't bother me. It was more the, I don't know if she was written to be autistic, but her lack of social understanding bothered me. What do you mean? Well, she didn't get that PETA was in love with her through the whole book. Sorry, spoilers. The fact that she could, she would draw back on this memory of him giving her, taking a beating for her. To give her bread. Yeah, that's kind of obvious. And then just the way he was acting about her, the way he talked about her. You, I guess you could, she could have kind of thought it was part of the game, which is the way, yeah. way they, they wrote it. What do, you, what do you think? When he first said that he loved her, did you think it was Hamish, Hamish's plan? Or did you think Peter was really in love? Maybe the tiniest bit of both. You know what I mean? How so? So, childhood crushes... Little, little things like in books that happens so i think he might have had that but used it and made it a lot bigger okay so he based it in reality and just um yeah <laughs> exaggerated it that's the word there's one other thing that i kind of don't like about this book okay since it's set so far in the future it seems like they would have better technology so future books are like that sure but if the world's been destroyed in some way then technology yeah. gets kind of set back 
That makes sense. Especially since it seemed like if the whole population of a district was a couple thousand people, we're talking about going from 350 million people in the United States. To only a couple thousand. Right. So there's not as many people to work. There's not as much industry. There's not as much production. Yeah. Things are slowed down dramatically. That that was the only excuse I could come up for. But they still had, I mean, their TV technology was much stronger. The way yeah. they could control the arena was much stronger. So it seems like they had their technology, but instead of putting it towards helping people, they put it towards the Hunger Games. The killing people. Right. If they would have used that technology for productive re- means, then everybody could have lived a happy life. Yeah. Did Katniss do the right thing when she ignored Hamish's advice about the cornucopia? Should she have gone and fought for the for her bow and arrow? Remember that whole scene where she was yeah. debating? I don't think so, because I don't think she was big enough or strong enough to fight against them. She might have been able to speed-wise if Peta hadn't distracted her. But I still think it was a smarter choice just to go for the backpack and run. Yeah, at least she got something. Yeah. So let me ask you this. When they said PETA was with the tributes, did that shock you? The career tributes? Yes and no. Like, not really, but... So it wasn't like I saw it coming, but I didn't... It wasn't, like, unthinkable. Like, if Harry went and teamed up with Voldemort. (laughs) Okay. Did you think he was serious, though? What did you think his plan was? Because they were the strongest in pack. I think I would have done the same thing. Tried to get in with them... And then when things got too rough, just run off in the night. Because that wouldn't miss me, but I don't think that way I would have caused a way to be an enemy against them. So I think I would have done the same thing. So you're pretty tall, but I would picture you as Rue. Smaller, not a lot of fighting skills. You'd have your speed, like you can climb like a monkey from, <laughs> from rock climbing. You have that those kind of skills, but like you said, you're not aggressive. You're not yeah. going to be able to kill anybody. I wouldn't be able to do that. <laughs> you're either Rue or Foxface. <laughs> you're trying to get in, and you don't look like a fox, so you'd have to be some other animal. <laughs> uh, I t- when I first read that, I was like, well, maybe. maybe. I'm trying to remember, because the first time I read this was probably five or ten years ago. I was like, well, maybe he's accepted his fate. Yeah. They both cannot survive this. He's doing the best thing he can to survive and maybe hoping that they kill her so he doesn't have to. But then I wasn't sure. Then he kind of did some things like, oh, he's trying. He's still trying to protect her. Even if she didn't doubted it before, you have to see through that that he wasn't faking some time. I don't think she realized that he was actually in love with her. See, this is what I don't think... Because she didn't get that Gale was in love with her either. But he later in the series... We're not talking about later in the series... Gail wasn't in love with her, though. We're not, we're not getting... Let's talk about just this book. From the beginning of the conversation, when he offered to run away with her, it was fairly obvious. Now, I will admit... I guess. I will admit to being one of those people when I was younger who was oblivious to these kind of things. Your mother <laughs> will tell you that, that I just didn't notice. I assumed that we could, that men and women could just be friends. I don't necessarily think that's true anymore. Someday you can watch When Harry Met Sally and have those conversations for yourself. But the fact that she didn't get that with him, that she didn't get it with PETA... This was the this was the thing that bugged me. It was so obvious. I don't know how she didn't understand it. Yeah, it's like going earlier. Some I don't think she made the right choice going for Prim because the chances of her surviving were slim. Okay. So if she died, her mother would have lost it, and I don't think she would have been able to do anything to keep both of them alive. And even though Gail said he would, I don't think he would be able to provide. For his family of five, plus them. 
Well, he couldn't. He had taken Tessery several times, so it's obvious he couldn't. He already couldn't provide. I, but I, I don't think she was thinking. Yeah. She just loved her sister, and maybe this says something about how much you care about your sister. But <laughs> um, she just wasn't thinking, so she volunteered because she could not bear to watch her little sister. And it's mandatory time. watching. <clears throat> I almost feel like it's. Is it better to be? The one who's facing the bad situation or the one who has to watch it and feel helpless? I don't know. Right. That I mean, you're not expected to have an answer right away, but I would rather be the one who is dying than watch you go through something like that. Maybe, because I don't think I'd be able to watch it. I'd probably lose it. Exactly. The stress of not being, of, of that helplessness is so much, well, in some ways, so much worse than actually having the physical bad thing happen to you. Yeah. And so... I don't think she was considering all that, but in retrospect, I would rather, you know, if you, you, your sister had her injuries, I would have rather that happened to me. If one, if one, somebody in this family is going to get a, a fatal illness, I want it to be me. I don't want to have to feel helpless while I watch the family that I'm supposed to love and protect suffer and go through a situation like yeah. that. So she had that same kind of commitment, more like a mom than a sister to Prim, and I think that's kind of what she was going for. Yeah, I guess so. But it was very irrational. Sure. It was an emotional decision based on based on love. It wasn't meant to be rational. Let's talk about Hamish. I actually think he's an interesting character. I do too. He starts out just being like the drunken slob, mm-hmm. unimportant. But then when you think about it, he's had to, and I think they say she says this in the book, he's had to be the trainer, the only trainer, for every tribute from District 12 for the last however many years. Um point is only to go and see them be 24 sl- okay only to go and see them be slaughtered so he's had to befriend yeah. these kids and then watch them get slaughtered for 24 years a little alcohol is probably the best thing he could have done yeah and so when he when he straightens himself out enough because he realizes he has some fighters on his hands he he knows how to play the game and he does really help them by sending them just enough to be a message to katniss yes like with when he withheld the water, she figured out because she was near water. Yes, he was sending messages without saying without sending anything, which was pretty brilliant. Yeah. Now again, she was stupid in some ways, but she figured that out. Which okay, that's pretty cool. Let's do the logic. Let's figure out how to solve this problem. I think the other term was he was just too drunk to pay attention, and he, she was gonna die. <laughs> but I don't think he. I don't think he was. It seemed to me that he was. He trusted them enough. He made a promise. He would stay sober enough to help them, and I think he did. <laughs> Yeah. What was your favorite scene? Probably, it's the saddest, also my favorite. When they watch, when Katniss sung to Rue as she died and laid the flowers on her. Yeah, that was a really really good scene. It was, and it it brought, it it had to happen. I feel like it had to happen because you had to bring the reality. The people that were dying weren't just these big evil people, but... Everyone was facing that. Yeah, and everyone was facing that. And if that would actually happen, I think the age range, if they thought it through, the age range was too broad. Do you think this was in any way meant to be fair? No, but still, sending a twelve-year-old in against a big eighteen-year-old. And it was meant to—I mean, it was meant to punish. Yeah. And destroy and humiliate. Like their goal was, we own you. You can't rebel against us. If you do, we'll District 13 you, and to prove how much we own you, we're going to take your children from you. Like, one thing you should protect, we're going to take right out of your hands. It's horrible. It is. I mean, but it's not unheard of. 
I mean, the Romans would throw people in with the lions and watch them be mauled. It was spectacle. It was sport. It was huge. They would reenact battles with their slaves just to watch people be be killed. It's not that human beings are incapable of this. We'd like to think that we're above that now. But... There's nothing to... I mean, there's nothing to say that things won't get more barbaric in the future, unfortunately. And we watch shows... There's shows like that. Well, so reality TV is like... There's a parallel here, you know... It was a thing, it's been a thing for a while, but really taken off in the last, one of the reasons is it's cheap. It doesn't have a big budget to do reality TV, but I don't think we have anything, I always thought the closest we came to something like this was uh, the American Gladiators, which I don't know if you've ever watched. Something a little bit like Beastmaster, but you're competing against professional athletes. Do you actually get killed? No. No. No, you'd get sued out of your gourd if if you actually killed somebody in the process. They do everything they can to keep people safe, but people get hurt. You sign your life away that says, nope, it's not your fault if I get hurt. I understand the risks. Now, I there was, because there's, there's an old book this reminds me of in an old movie called The Running Man, where it's set in the future and game shows are vicious. Like the Doctor Who episode yes. where the um, robots killed people. But a little more realistic. So there's one, like, it was called Climbing for Dollars, and you'd be climbing a rope, and every so, ever so many feet there was money, and you'd take the money and stick it in your pocket, but then they would send dogs in at the bottom to try to, you know, jump up and get you, or they'd, and they'd blast you with cold air, so you'd fall down to the dogs. And they had one, the most famous was called The Running Man, where they'd basically, in the book, you had, they set you free, and then they had hunters that would come after you and try to kill you. And this was in public. So everybody in public was trying to find you, because if they gave a hint that led to your capture, they got money. And you had to send in a video every week to prove that you were still alive and like that. How so do you win? Stay alive for 30 days, I think it was. My gosh. Yeah, I mean, again, it's a book, but it and it's the same kind of concept of we can make a sport out of this kind of thing. But I don't think we're, I, people have copied that. Like they've had abandoned warehouse kind of areas, and they're going to set people free and send in the hunters kind of stuff. But no, it was paintballs or laser tag. It was never anybody people getting hurt. People in the capital enjoy it, but they're horrible. I mean, they're living limousines, cars. When cars were unheard of in District 12, mm-hmm. they were big. They would make themselves sick and throw up to eat more food when people were starving. Okay, now here's the question. If you were born and raised in the capital, would you be any different? Depends. Like, if I had the opportunity to go and see, maybe. So if you were Effie and you got to see... The yeah. other districts, you think you'd be different. But if you if you just grew up in the capital, you're just a normal capital kid, you're 12 years old, you've been watching the Hunger Games your whole life. There's no, I wouldn't know any different. And you're taught, you think about this, you're taught from whatever age that they re, they're evil rebels that rebelled against the good capital. Even though the capital's evil. Evil is, evil is sometimes a matter of perspective. Well... Governments always like to make the other side look evil because that's how they can encourage people to support the war, but no one's the villain of their own story. Yeah. So the capital, Snow, was that President Snow? Yeah. He felt he was doing the right thing to maintain order. It had to be done. That that sort of idea. Now, I'm not saying anything about any reality and what, you know, we're not going to get into the religious perspective on this, (laughs) right? But... No one is, there are very few people who are the villain of their, who are the mustache twirling, I'm evil kind of villains. (laughs) People, like, the good characters do the right 
what is it, the right, right things thing for, for the, the wrong, wrong reason. reason. Or the wrong thing for the right reason. Yeah. It's right, yeah. So Magneto is the classic example who he was abused and he refuses to let that happen again. So he's fighting for something he believes in and he has to hurt people to do that. But so it's only the to prevent... wrong thing for the right reason. Yeah, only he's, he ends up hurting others before they hurt him. Mm-hmm. And so maybe Snow felt that same way. That's kind of like the school getting evil, evil attack, good defend. Yes. If you haven't checked that out, check out our previous show. <laughs> yeah. What do you want to talk about? Um, the career tributes. We said that they got a much bigger advantage, and I think all other districts did compared to 12. Mm-hmm. Because they're able to work in their, what they're good at beforehand. Right. Technically, it was illegal to train before you're picked for the games. But the career tributes... Did, unofficially, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't remember all of them. I only remember Cato and Clove, two from District 1, I think. Yeah, I don't know if they named the others. Was Glimmer a career? Glimmer and Marvel were one. I remember that. Cato and Clover, two or four, which were the other two where their career tributes came from. Do you remember, what was Rue's... Thresh. Thresh. I liked Thresh. Yeah. When Glimmer, was it Glimmer that had Katniss pinned down? She was the other Kato. No. That was the girl. It was the female of yeah. e- either Kato. I think it's Kato's the girl. Okay. No, Kato was the guy. Anyway, when and she had... Clove. When she... Okay, when Clove had Katniss pinned down, I, reading it the second time, I was honestly going, how does she get out of this? I don't remember what happens. And then, I'm like, you know, totally forgetting who else is available. Because like, Pete is not coming to save her at this point. No, no matter how much she yells. When Thresh picked her up, I was like, oh, that's right. That's right. I like the good it coming around to kind of save her. Mm-hmm. Like, she did the right thing with Rue. And it worked out in her advantage. Yeah. It worked out to her advantage, although it's not the reason she did it. She wasn't trying to gain advantage. She was legitimately mm-hmm. caring for this girl um, because that's the kind of person she is. And it reminded her of Prim. Right. She said that multiple times. Yeah, absolutely. Thresh was clever, though, because no one went in the field. Right. He was the only one there. And they talked about that being because he's probably the only one who could figure out how to get food. Yeah, possibly PETA, though, because he worked in the bakery, so there might have been some grain in there. Yeah, but he wasn't going to go mess with Thresh's territory. He had other plans. Yeah. And he was the only one in there, except for maybe Foxface. Right. We never know where she was. She was she, everywhere. Yeah. She was, she was hiding. Well, she was following Katniss at some point. Because um, she, she knew that Katniss was like a real deal. Oh. I also like the part where she blows up the food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, she blew out her own ears, so... Made a little bit of a mistake there, but I don't know if she had much of a choice. She had to be close enough that it would, that she could make the shot. Yeah, because they're at a disadvantage too. Because District Two, I think that's was where they were from. Were like the teacher's pet district. One of the interesting conversations, uh, I believe, it was on the roof. Peta just told Katniss, "I want to die as myself." Yeah. What do you think that was about? He says that he doesn't want to be turned into some monster killing machine. Do you think he was talking about a mutation kind of thing? I don't think so. I think it was like him in his own body from the games, ex- the experience changing him into some crazy murderer. Got it. Yeah. But I mean, that's what I assumed because the mutations weren't in my mind at that point. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I was wondering if maybe they had that in a previous games that he would have known about or if it was really more of an existential, I, I want to be me. 
mm-hmm. don't want them to they can't take they can take my body but they can't take me yeah kind of concept which is you know the best kind of anyone can hope for people put in horrible situations you don't want it to change you you want to stay true to to your to whatever it is about you that you you stand for yeah um, but those those beliefs and morals are only truly tested when you're up against it like um, I think it was C.S. Lewis who said, again, we have to quote Lewis every podcast, apparently. Um, you can believe that a rope is strong if all you're using it for is to tie some books together. But if you have to hang by by that rope over a cliff, then you'll find out what you really believe about that rope. Mm-hmm. And so it's only when beliefs are tested by some sort of adversity that we really know if we believe it or not. Because yeah. it's easy to believe it when there's no risk involved. But You mentioned the mutts. The notations. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to talk about the scene with the tracker jackers. Okay. So the nest is there. Rue points it out, knowing that it could kill Katniss, that Katniss could die from it if she does makes the wrong move. Why do you think she did that? Because they weren't an alliance then. No, but I think she knew that if the day, if daylight came, mm-hmm. she would be revealed. Because that's when the they were camping below her. Yeah. And they knew Katniss was up there. Right, so their smoke had put them to sl- put the tracker jacket. It to was sleep. the smoke from the firewall that they sent them right. to kill people. That's right. And so, even if they weren't friends, mm-hmm. there was a the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah. So we can be friends because they're going to kill us both if we don't do something, and there's your opportunity. Mm-hmm. And that ends up killing two, one or two people. Yeah, I think really it ends bad. up being cl- glimmer and messes up with the rest. Messes uh-huh. up the rest of them. So and got, and got them away, so they had a chance to escape. It was, but although Rue Ru escaped, yeah, because she pointed it out before she was about to cut it. She's like, she pointed it out to her so she could get away. Yeah, and then she jumped from tree to tree, and got away anyway. Because they were the. So she didn't really have to tell. Shook. Maybe she was trying to make a friend. Yeah. Because, because she, she knows she wasn't strong enough to kill people off. Right, and she knew. Katniss had volunteered to save her sister, so at least she knew she wasn't a psychopath. Yeah, so she wasn't just gonna go killing everyone. Right. Yeah, so that's good. That's a good question. I hadn't considered that too much. It never says if this was her, the tracker track of Venom making her hallucinate or not. But Peta saved her from Clove. Or oh, that was Clovis. real. That was real. You think so? Yeah, he came in. And I think he came in. I guess. And when he saw her, he was like, what are you doing here? Get out. I'm, I can only protect you so much. That would make sense why the cut, why he got the cut on his leg. Yeah. Which nearly killed him. Yeah, I think that was absolutely right. So, okay, go ahead. think it was the right decision for her to give him the sleep syrup to get away? To get the venom? Oh, I think it was her only choice. But they couldn't both make it, so... Well, at that, no, 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 at that point they had told them... Oh, yeah. That if two, the two from the same district survive, then they can survive together. So she was, she was trying to save them both at that point. But he didn't want her to go. Right, being self, I mean, he's trying to be self-sacrificing and not letting her take care of him. But, but at the same time, he was in no position to do anything to help at that point. And that, that's when Foxface was really clever then. So she hid inside the cornucopia, grabbed her bag, hid yeah. inside there. Because she didn't want to be fought. What do you think was in her bag? What do you think was in any of their bags? We know that... Um, Body armor was almost... Kato. Most likely, yeah. And then there would there was only three bags there. The shot... No, everybody who was still alive. I know, but Thresh would have been killed by them. Oh, you're right. He would have. So it was just Foxface, Kato, and Katniss. Yeah. Okay. Clove might have been still. No, because Clove no. died then. Yeah, you're right. So what would 
Fox Face have? I don't know. Maybe it's food. Maybe, it, I don't know. It never says the size of the bag. It should have been a uh, Wildberry identification manual. Because <laughs> <laughs> she might not have died then. Then she prob- probably would have been able to outsmart everyone else and win. Maybe. I don't know if it would have come down to that final final scene, right? Uh, that's like they're gonna the final the thing is going to be a fight. They're gonna force you together to fight it out. That's the exciting part. Well, then if they had to force it together, she never would have made it. Probably it not. never says her making it with any weapons. If Pete and Katniss were both dead, then it would have been Kato and he had the body armor. Let me ask this. Getting to the end of the scene, once Kato's dead, did you see the twist coming? That they were gonna make them fight? I don't know. I think so, though. So I was listening to it. So a lot of times when I'm listening to books, I don't, I'm not putting them down as often. So I don't stop to think about it. Uh I think if I would have stopped to think about it, I might have seen it coming. Because that capital is just evil, right? They don't care about love. (laughs) Speaking of with the audiobook, I first started listening to it on audiobook. And when it said PETA, it sounded like Peter with a weird accent. I'm not kidding. That's what I thought too until later. It's really funny. Well, you've read the rest of the book, so I can't even ask. The big question is then what happens? Because they've tricked the capital. At that point, I, if there had been no other books, what I probably would have thought is, well, they're gone. There's, They're going to kill them. Yeah. Yeah, and they, she does a good job of building some suspense. Now, mm-hmm. I think when I read The Hunger Games, I knew there were two more books. Um, so it's kind of like, once you know there's sequels, you know that the, f- the main character's not going to die. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, how does she get out of I this? I thought what it might have been a different perspective, though. It could have been. I consider that. Could have been another one. I just realized it never says what anybody else's token is, except for Pete, um, Katniss and Rue. It never says what Peter's original token is. Hmm. That's a good point. Maybe he didn't have one. He didn't really have a very happy home life. Uh, yeah. May not have wanted to remember District 12. If you would go into The Hunger Games, what would be your strategy and what would your token be? Uh, my token, let's see. So I'm thinking back to when I was in high school-ish. Um, I have no idea what I would have taken as a token. Probably um, I, had a, I had a necklace that I wore all the time, but they might have considered that a weapon, so I don't know. What was the necklace? Uh, just a cross necklace. Um, what My strategy? Depends on when I went. Because when I was younger, I, th- I thought I was tough. And then as I got older, I realized I was not. <laughs> so my strategy probably would have been more like Foxface. Like, I'm quick. I'm quiet. I can be sneaky. And I will stay alive until the rest of you kill each other. And then I will try to get you while you fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my goal. Any final thoughts? I think we've covered pretty much everything. Yeah, I think so. All right, what is your rating for The Hunger Games out of five stars? Four and a half. Four and a half. Excellent. I'm still going to go with a four, although that seems to be what I've done as far as what I've done for everything. I think I've rated it a four. Yeah. Okay. Well, then we're going to wrap this up. I think I stopped making extra noise so that I have to edit out on the microphone. <laughs> we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. If you haven't checked out our website, go ahead and do that. Um, all the books that we have done and are, that are upcoming are available in our bookstore and a link through Amazon. It just kicks back a couple pennies to us through Amazon. If you are looking for a group to talk about books with, please join our Facebook group at uh, Facebook slash group slash Reading Radio. The link's also on the website. We're trying to build up a community of book lovers um, and who can read these books with their families and really build a connection. I think I speak personally. Alora and I have 
had great conversations off the mic that were often like, whoa, 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 don't talk about this now. Let's wait till we can record it. <laughs> uh, but it's really, I think, brought us together. Wouldn't you say so? Yeah. Yeah, not, and not just because we're doing the podcast, but because we talk about these books offline. We're having conversations we, about the topics. And and I think it's fun to do have the different perspectives on it. Yeah, because, I mean, you and I are different people. Yeah. I'm a 39-year-old man, and you're a 12-year-old girl. <laughs> so very different perspectives on the world and the books. All right, that's it. I'm Jason. I'm Laura. Thank you so much. Happy reading. Uh...